When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Here we are on a Tuesday. It is Tuesday, August 9th. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here with you to dig into what we're calling the hot take episode. We're each going to offer up two hot takes. They're not going to be too outlandish, but they're going to be pretty dang spicy, I think. And just talk through those as we get uh, closer and closer to the heart of draft season. And speaking of draft season, Flex League's draft over the weekend uh, for the people who are having their drafts in person. Brandon Funston, you were there in New York City. How was the weekend, man? Oh, it was great. I just sat back and watched everybody in the room take all of Jake's pet players. I mentioned it about <laughs> round eight that, like, Jake, you're going to get no one that you actually really, really wanted. So it's just, <laughs> it's just kind of fun. <laughs> I assume you didn't enjoy that quite as much, Jake? No, not not quite as much as uh, Funston did. <laughs> Definitely not. And, like sitting next to each other too is a, like, an, uh, yeah, we talked about it throughout the entire. Actually, well, well, I forget. Were you one spot? No, you were, what, you were one spot over. JL was between us, but yeah. enough that yeah, he he mentioned it. What was it, the sixth or seventh round when you said that? So wasn't yeah. wasn't enjoyable. No, it wasn't. And this is what happens. But tough. Tough, tough draft. I mean, no one was blowing picks. I was like, I was almost just crossing players off in the order in which I had them on my list. You know, it was like, ugh. It was very close to that. Here? There was two values that like pissed me off, and one went. One was Ronus, and one was Ratcliffe. I hated both of those. Boyd and Gallup went so super late, and I was so ticked off that they got both of them on the other side of our table. Um, but I was wondering if this spilled over to the Superflex because the Superflex had a lot more reaches, and I was wondering if this was a go get your guy, and after seeing what happened in our draft, was it like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe I need to go? Like We all love Dennis Esser, but Dennis Esser took like Swift with the fourth pick because he wasn't oh. making it back to him. Yeah, and it's just like like that <laughs> kind of stuff happened. Damn. You know, it was funny. I was looking at the odds on DeAndre Swift. 1,399 total yards, which he hasn't come close to. He's missed seven games in his That's first like two years. Minus 110. And he hasn't averaged the number of yards per game yet in his career if he were to play 17 games to go over this number. So I was like, that's insane. I, I think it's a little bit strong. I mean, he mm-hmm. could do it, yeah. but it would take a lot of stars aligning. Just wait till the Hard Knocks helium starts a little later tonight. Oh, yeah. Right. I can't wait. Detroit Lions on Hard Knocks debuting on uh, this fine Tuesday night. So uh, get ready to maybe pay a little bit of a Hard Knocks tax on DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson. Maybe even Jamal Williams with uh, how fun that guy is on camera. Maybe he'll uh, see his ADP creep up oh, a little well, bit in these Don't forget what weeks. our own uh, Chris Burke mentioned and the fact that Tyler Decker thinks that Applebee's is a top five restaurant in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so or Tyler Decker's. It was one of them. It was one of them. Well, Did you see that? It was one of the. So two what? Of them. what what's Decker, above that? Taylor, Chili's. Yeah. Like, <laughs> All right. Well, Taylor Decker or um or Frank Ragnow. One Denny's. one of them is is uh, is never going. <laughs> their their uh, restaurant recommendation stock is just in the tank at this point. 100%. So uh, don't tr- whoever it is, yeah. don't trust that person for restaurant recommendations. Trust us, however, for hot takes. We're gonna dig into those right here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. To a piece, as I said. 
Jake, let's start with one of yours, and you've got a Trey Lance one. I want to table that for a second just because we talked about Trey Lance a couple of episodes ago. So let's start with your other one, which I find very fun here, focusing on the backfield in Houston. What do you got for us? Yeah, so it's not only that Damian Pierce is going to be the best running back for the Houston Texans, he is going to be the first Houston Texans running back to run for 1,100 yards in a season since Arian Foster in 2014. That's the last time our running backs run for 1,100 yards for the Texans, 2014. And Damian Pierce is, I, I hate the fact that we're getting helium over the past week for him. We're like, oh, he looks like the best runner out. No kidding. What is this competition? <laughs> look at it. Look at the people that he has to fend off. Rex Burkhead. Like, really? This is what we're worried about? So I get it. I get that there's veterans on this team. I get it that it could be a full-blown committee, which is the downfall here that people are concerned about. And if you're a full-blown committee on this offense, whether or not Davis Mills had the best you know, rookie season by default at quarterback, Marlon Mack, everybody falls in love with him. Uh, I think he's pretty replaceable as a running back and you know, finally healthy. So you'd like to see that happen. But Agumba Wally's a pass catcher. Royce Freeman's probably not making the roster. Damian Pierce is just, uh, I jokingly said that Ken Walker was discount Derrick Henry and that Damian Pierce was discount Ken Walker. So that's my comparison. It's like, he's just Ken Walker on the Houston Texans, which in my opinion has no Rashad Penny, has less of a competition. I think everything you're seeing is true. And even if the offense struggles, I'm talking about rushing upside, 1,100 yards over 17 games. Not that many yards per game when you factor it all out. And I, I was honestly surprised it's been 2014 since anybody's run for 1,100 yards in this offense. Yeah, I'll jump in here on that. I love this. And I hope you're absolutely right because I got a lot of Damian Pierce. It's about when, like, Melvin Gordon goes off the mm-hmm. board and you're kind of sitting at that cliff at running back. Damian Pierce is the first guy that I can feel I can, like, you know, talk my way into there's there's plausible upside here. Always bet on young legs at the running back position. Always bet against guys coming back from Achilles like uh, like Marlon Mack. Always bet against Rex Burkhead being a lead guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a franchise that was willing to go with Davis Mills as their quarterback mm-hmm. for pretty much the entire year last year. So why wouldn't they go with Damian Pierce as their running back? Makes a whole lot of sense. And I have a lot of Damian Pierce, so crossing my fingers that this works out. He's easy to get on board with at his ADP. I mean, even if you just isolate for the last week, we're talking about RB39. You nailed it, Funston, right behind Melvin Gordon. And I like Melvin Gordon a lot, and he's actually going to factor into one of my hot takes here. Uh, But there's clearly no one in this range of the draft who has the upside that Damian Pierce brings into the season. And something that's, like, sort of sneaky about uh, these Houston Texans is, like, it's not a bad offensive line. He's a first-round pick on on Kenyon Green. Laramie Tunsil's here. Justin Britt is here. Like, this is not a hopeless offensive line, and you just have some sort of – like, it's not going to be a good team, but it shouldn't be this, like, terrible team, like, like totally incompetent team. Like, there's some competence, really, across the entire roster here, and we have a precedent for a running back having a great season on a bad team in recent memory. It was James Robinson a couple of years ago. That Jaguars team was not good. They were generally uncompetitive. And James Robinson was like RB6 that year. And he did it on the strength of, you know, A, his play, which was the most important factor, and then B, having that backfield largely to himself. I think Damian Pierce can match him in both of those. Like, I don't know. I think, Jake, I think you're right about like, like, are we really that worried about Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead and Daria Gunbowale taking a ton of the work away from Damian Pierce? I mean, Damian Pierce, if there's one guy who this team is potentially invested in in 
2024, 2025, it's Damian Pierce. And so yeah. why are you not seeing that right off the bat? Yeah, it's the concern that everybody's involved, and that's a full-blown committee. But two of the guys you mentioned, Rex Burkhead, who has some similarities to like the Philip Lindsay, where like, they can run between the tackles, but you don't want that. That's not their primary usage. Uh, but Agumba Wally is essentially just a pass-catching running back. Yeah. Uh, Pierce, although I said discount Ken Walker, I think as of coming to the NFL is a little bit of a better pass-catcher than Walker. But as the comparisons of that, he doesn't shy from ta- tackles. He doesn't. He's going to go between the line. You know, it would be a decent comparison. I, I mentioned in my pre-draft write-up that kind of like James Conner vibes. Um, I would say James Conner is a better pass-catcher today. So maybe a little bit of Tevin Coleman that you just cut through the line and straight ahead, and that's what you're looking for. It, I think that you're looking at people's concern as well is that if you're involving even two more running backs is that the snap count only gets him 13 carries per game so if he's only 13 carries per game I mean you can do the quick math even if he averages a nice four yard clip I mean you're talking about 50 yards a game and then now you're not even getting there now you're getting 100 for the seven you maybe gets close to a thousand that's like 900 and change so I think that's the concern is how much of a share is in this backfield but you know if he is the 50 percent lead and then everybody including is a committee and they could count for the other 50%. I think you can see it. I mean, and I jokingly said, you know, I can't believe it's been through 2014. And you also look at those backfields, injuries, full-blown committees, which is the concern and just a mess every single year in and year out. They didn't really have somebody like Pierce. They kept trying these also rands with the David Johnson and all that type of stuff. Uh So I think that's why. And then the stink of the Texans It's on like, we can't discount the fact that it's the stink of the Texans. That's going to yeah, look what it did to Brandon Cooks, and yet yeah. I mean we're not yeah. even talking about him. Like this is a yeah. completely worse situation, honestly. Well, one thing I'd add really quickly is I think that Marlon Mack still has name brand appeal, even if he doesn't have like you know just full juice appeal anymore. <laughs> yes. You know, and and something that's telling to me is I I can't I don't have the numbers up for what he signed for with the Texans. But if you have Jonathan Taylor as a franchise and you just want to make sure that you have a quality backup, I don't think the Colts would have had to do a whole lot to keep Marlon Mack. You know, I, I don't think Marlon Mack's making a ton with the Texans and the Colts could have kept him. But to me, it's telling that they just let him go and they're willing to run with like Naheem Hines and Philip Lindsay as a backup there. So, like, if that's the case, then I'm guessing Marlon Mack to them didn't have as much juice as he did when he put up a thousand yards the first time. And he's, I think he's living off that a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's scaring away some people in that backfield. Marlon Mack's got a base salary this year of 1.25 million. He had a $250,000 signing bonus and like a 250 K yeah, roster so, bonus. So, the, Col- the Colts could have afforded that. Yes. So wait, wait, so the, to the 250 is his dead money, right? So the cap, the cap it is 1.7 million. No, but what's his dead money? Yeah. Like 250. They, yeah. So yeah. if they got rid yeah, that's not guaranteeing you're on the roster. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and maybe the Colts would have to pay more because Marlon Mack could see the writing on the wall. He wasn't going to get any run mm-hmm. with the Colts. You know, maybe he takes an even deal with the Texans because he thinks he might be able to get some get run. Some, yeah. But either way, like they could have gave right. him even, even a little bit more. It's a fair point, certainly. Feels like this could be maybe not right off the bat, but maybe entirely Damian uh, Pierce's backfield. Let's call him Damian Harris. Damian Pierce's backfield in the pretty <laughs> early part of the season. Funston, let's go to one of your two hot takes here. Now, Gabriel Davis has been talked about and talked about and talked about plenty in this uh, fantasy offseason. So, uh, you know, you got to go You got to go pretty hot to be hot on Gabriel Davis. Let's hear what you got here, Funston. Yeah, he's, you know, he's in play now as like a top 25 wide receiver. Well, let's just say he's a top four touchdown scorer in terms of receiving touchdowns. Uh, something that he's been doing even in limited capacity his first two years. You look at his total career line, 125 targets, 70 catches. Jake, what do you have him projected for this year in terms of targets and catches? 
Mm, give me a second to pull it off because I don't okay. have the 300 so, players off the top of my head. Cue me up like <laughs> so that. So the point is, you uh, bum, you lazy bastard. bum, unbelievable. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> but so, to, to my point there, that's I, he probably is going to be projected for use for at least maybe 125 targets or close. 115. Uh, maybe. Okay, so close. How many catches? 66. Okay, and so 70 in the two years. So he's turned that into yards. 13 touch, and 13 and touchdowns so touchdowns. far. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So last year, top four in, in receiving touchdowns was 12. I think you're going to get to 12 plus. Uh, yeah, yes. We're looking at that that gaudy final game that we saw where he scored four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But that's nine touchdowns in his final seven games, counting the postseason. You take that one out, it's still five touchdowns in his final six games. This guy's good at scoring touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley are gone. You know, Josh Allen's going to probably score or throw in the mid-30s. There's an easy path to Gabe Davis getting 12-plus touchdown catches. Jake, is this hot enough for you? Uh, it's 12. If you would have said 14, I think that would have been, like, muy caliente. <laughs> Mostly because... Well, that, I was almost going to say 13. Would that have split the difference? In, in I mean, well, because that's Jamar Chase last year. So the reason I yeah. say 13, 14 last year is because Gabe Davis in this rate. So Mike Evans had 74 receptions last year, 14 touchdowns. Jamar Chase had 81 and 13. Uh, DK Metcalf, for reference, is 75 and 12. So kind of putting him... In that race, so I think you kind of took the DK yeah. Metcalf range, which is I like think that's hot yeah. enough so, actually. When you put that context no, I, on, no, it. I do. I think it's yeah. hot, but I was like, that's like <laughs> amazingly hot. If you would have said that thirteen, maybe fourteen, to put him on like that Mike Evans pace, because let's be honest about it. If that's the role that he's going to play, seventy-four receptions. I just mentioned seventy. So what I say for targets, one fifteen. Let's do Mike mm-hmm. Evans last year. One thirteen, seventy-four, a thousand thirty-five, and fourteen. I have basically Boom. Gabriel Davis getting that line with the eight and a half touchdowns just because projections are going to be conservative in a touchdown rate. Like that's a 14 on 74 receptions is an absurdly high mark uh, for reference. Everybody out there, 16 for Cooper cup came on 145 receptions, twice as many receptions almost for two more touchdowns. Right. So I like it. Uh, I can get on board with the 12. My projections won't ever say that, mm-hmm. but I can get on the board at the 14. You would have made me go like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to touch that. So that's why I'm just saying, that's why I would have said that would have been really hot. <laughs> I like the hotness of the 12. You know what is uh, Mike Evans is an outlier in that. So last year, uh, eight touchdowns from inside the 10 yard line. The year before that he had, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine inside the 10 yard line. <laughs> What's the so, common denominator there? Yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah. So yeah, why 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 think any, anything different at this point? Well, I'm just saying, can like if you're going to be a low reception, high touchdown guy, it helps to get a lot of those. So can yeah. can Gabe Davis be this like inside the 10 beast for the Bills? Yeah, he's, he's 6'2", 220. He's not quite the power forward. He's a big guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Not quite the post-up guy that Mike Evans is. But, uh, I mean, he's going to get get a lot more run. I yeah, mean, you know, sure. the, the narrative is he is now their number two. I mean, the, the team is coming out and saying it. So if that's truly the case, mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be out there a lot more than he's been out there the first two years. It, it, we talked about this on an episode a couple of weeks ago, right? It's like, you know, 12 touchdowns, 14 touchdowns, eight touchdowns, whatever that number ends up being. Obviously, there's a little bit of volatility in receiving touchdowns always. It's ri- like, he, this is not like a... This is not a pure helium play. Like we can point to why his draft stock has risen as high as it has, and like it really would be totally like cognitively dissonant to 
believe in the Bills the way that we do, the way that we should, the way that they've played the last couple of years, uh, and, and see what they're saying and see how they're really using Gabe Davis, and then suddenly think that he you know shouldn't be drafted where he gets drafted. You would have to be the biggest Brian Dable stand in the world and think that he is the person who made that offense go to be selling out on Gabriel Davis where he's at. So uh, we'll see if he ends up getting to that touchdown number. Definitely think the ADP is worth it for him here. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get to my first take on this one, you guys. I am going to, you know what? I already referenced um, you know, how I was going to be bringing Melvin Gordon into the discussion, so I'll go with that one. I am so far out on Javante Williams. The hot take is going to be that he is not a top 20 fantasy running back. Uh, I'll just run down these stats for you point by point by point. First of all, RB 27 by points per game last year. So, you know, it's not like we're talking about a guy who had this monster rookie season that could be building then on this rookie season. Uh, Just for reference, Melvin Gordon was RB 24 by points per game. And that's what has been missing from portions of the Melvin Gordon discussion. I don't want to straw man this. We see it way too often in the fantasy world. You do see this in plenty places. We've talked about it in plenty places, but just to drive the point home, Melvin Gordon is not just a, you know, body. He's not just someone who can fog up a mirror in Denver. Melvin Gordon was legitimately good last season for this team. 203 carries, 918 yards, scored eight touchdowns on the ground a season ago. He can catch the football. He's been a very effective, productive receiver at times in his career. They didn't ask a ton of him in that world last season, but still turned 38 targets into 28 catches and 213 yards. Like He can do that for this team. And yeah, I don't think that the new regime argument holds a ton of weight uh, against Melvin Gordon. You know, they talk, you talk about how it dragged on into deep into the offseason before they finally signed him and they didn't sign him to a big contract. Well, it's a new regime that isn't necessarily tied to Javante Williams either. So like that, what's good for the goose is good for the gander when you want to talk about, you know, new looks in Denver. I just think that, you know, Melvin Gordon is going to once again have a big role to play in this Denver offense. And it's just going to be hard for Javante to pile up the volume that is necessary. And then you look at who's getting drafted in the RB, you know, 16 to 24 range. I think everyone who gets in the RB15 range, you don't need, you know, that they're the argument for them being top 20 running back speaks for itself. But then you look at that next group of guys, Cam Akers, Brees Hall, Zeke. David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell. I'm not saying all those guys finish ahead of Javante Williams, but I think a handful of them will. And I think enough of them certainly can that'll end up pushing Javante out of the top 20. So I am out on Javante Williams. I think that he uh, has some major, major downside risk. Certainly the most risk, I think, of anyone who's getting drafted as a top 11, 12, 13 running back has me easily off of him. Funston, I'll throw it to you first for any sort of rebuttal, agreement, whatever you might have. <laughs> well, I feel bad because you were pretty nice on my pick, and I'm going to kind of <laughs> push back on yours. Uh, we're talking about a guy who was RB16 last year in, in, in a near – you know, equal split. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was the athletics guy or someone Nick was coming Cosmider. out saying, yeah, maybe said that there was like talk of a 70 30 breakdown this year in, in favor of Javante Williams. 
here's my deal. The guy had a good year. I mean, he was RB16. He caught 43 balls out of the backfield. Uh, was one of the leaders in the NFL in yards after contact per attempt. He's a bowling ball. Russell Wilson uh, is very good at setting up the running game with his, you know, the play action threat. And, um, you know, there's talk that they're going to make the screen pass a big part of this offense as well. Chris Carson, who's not, he doesn't jump out as like, oh, a great receiving running back, but he had some good years with Russell Wilson in that regard. So uh, I think in my mind, given how young Javante Williams is, the fresh legs, how much of a bowling ball he is and impressively athletic he is, like I would be worried more about guys like Elijah Mitchell and, you know, um, some of those other guys in that same range than I would be with Javante Williams, you know, and, and you look, there's a, you know, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. We don't ding, we don't ding Nick Chubb uh, for being kind of the lead guy and Kareem Hunt, you know, getting a pretty good split of that backfield. So Javante Williams has not shown us that he's Nick Chubb quite yet. Uh, okay. Maybe not all the way, <laughs> but maybe uh, 85 to 90 cents on the dollar there. We'll see. That's a, maybe a different discussion for a different podcast, my friend. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, your your point. Th- these are hot takes for a reason. We should be able to, yeah. to poke some holes in them. Certainly, Jake. What are you at? Where are you at on this one? I'm on both sides of it. So if we're scaling on like a ten grade here, like I think it's basically a five because I agree with aspects of both arguments here. Uh, part of my concern is, yeah, Russell Wilson has some really big years, but even Chris Carson's prime, like the touchdowns were like he wasn't. 20 touches this week. There was a lot of sharing with whether, I mean, they even brought Carlos Hyde to split with him at some point and like DJ Dallas in the passing game or Travis Homer in the passing game or something. It was always like, we loved Chris Carson, but we loved Chris Carson because he was a value as an RB2. And we kept drafting Chris Carson as that, you know, RB3 that nobody wanted him. And then we'd finish top 15 to top 20. Um, so, I, Which I, is where Javante could end up, and that would, you know, that would burn your hot take, unfortunately. <laughs> right. So Can you burn a burn? Can you triple stamp no. a double stamp in this in, in this instance? So this is where I agree with Fonson is the fact that like I I'm not really thinking it's like so hot because I th- I see both like so it's outside the top twenty. Well, two things he finished as Fonson says sixteen seventeen right around there. But if you look at points per game, he was only twenty sixth. If you take out, but he's being drafted four. as RB eleven. Right. If you take out Duke Johnson, um, somebody like not Christian McCaffrey, because Christian McCaffrey is going to finish in right. front of him. But it was like a handful. Like it was like a Duke Johnson and players like that that finished in front of him in points. Actually, Duke Johnson, Chris Carson. There you go. Finished in front of him in points per game. And Kareem Hunt, who missed half the season. So even if you take those three out, you still only get him to RB 26 in points per game. So that's where I can see your side of it. And if the split continues and we just got a report over the weekend from their own offensive coordinator saying everybody's going to be on a pitch count. But where I lean towards Funston a little bit in this argument is I think Javante Williams is definitively the better talent at this point in their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think that would be a discussion for another day to have Williams versus Chubb because I am a Williams fan mm-hmm. and I don't think the gap is enormous. But all that being said is if he finished 22nd, it wouldn't shock me at all just because of the other names around there. Mostly because I think Russell Wilson, as we've talked about on the show, and you even said this, Fonson, is like, I think he could pass more. And yes, that could be more in the passing game for Jonathan Williams, but it could be more for Albert O and KJ Hamler stepping in for Tim Patrick. And like, we could just see the fact that the backfield just isn't as huge as it was last year when they only finished as, you know, RB 16 and 17. And what if it's very similar uses this year and all of a sudden it's more passing and less rushing? So, again, I see both sides of it. If I mm-hmm. had to take a side because I see the likelihood of outside the top 20 more likely than inside the top 10, I'd lean towards Beller. But I agree with Ooh, a lot with yeah. what Funston said, though. 
Yeah, I think the point here for you, Beller, is the slow slow the roll on RB11. Yeah. And that's fair. Like RB15, RB16 is probably a lot more reasonable. Mm-hmm. Split the difference between where he finished last year per game and uh, where was that total? It was, it was total, right? Yeah, that, the, the points per game was 27, total was 16. Okay, yeah. So yeah, maybe you split the difference, mm-hmm. and you're you're more like our where he finished last year. You're yeah. probably about five RBs too high. Yeah, and uh, definitely on board with that. We got some uh, more takes to get through here, you guys. So let's go through them, Jake. We're going to come back to you on this one. As we said, Trey Lance, uh, you made your love for Trey Lance uh, very out in the open when we debated Trey Lance against Derek Carr a couple of weeks ago. So now let's quantify that in terms of QB blank. Where does he finish in the QB standings? Top seven, and that might not even be hot take enough. I mean, honestly, I, I'll make this a quick version because people have probably already heard it before. Plus, <laughs> I can keep this show tight, so I don't need to go yeah. into the litany of reasons, as you said, because we already talked about that show. But Josh Allen's second year, QB7. He just has to throw for 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns, which essentially every quarterback in the NFL outside of Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones can do. So as long as you get that the rushing is going to be terrific. And people are like, well, he got hurt because he ran for so many times in that one game. Yeah, one. One of the three. Like, he was more concerned. It's like, <laughs> yeah. average it out. Give him 150 carries over the year, rushes over the year, which is probably about where he's going to be. I'm not even putting him in the 170 to 180 range and talking Lamar Jackson. But you give him 150, we're talking one of the leading rushers. What are we talking? We're talking Jalen Hurts last year who finished higher than QB7. So he just has to be Jalen Hurts last year, which was a miserable... That is actually worse. That was worse than the 3,020. So (laughs) there you go. Give me Jalen Hurts and give me this year's Jalen Hurts, and it's Trey Lance. So top seven, basically, if he doesn't doesn't miss any games, he's finished. This is even hot. He's finishing top seven. Here's my Trey Lance-related hot take, and then we're just going to jump. If you want to hear Funston's thoughts on all this, go back a couple episodes, look for that debate episode, and you can get into uh, well, hold, hold on. I've kind of come around to Jake a little bit more because it's true. I mean, <laughs> all right, let me, say, be, yeah, let me just say one quick thing, and then you can actually have a, a, a word here, Funston. Um, Brandon Ayuk, dudes. Brandon Ayuk's back because Jake, just Trey Lance is going to push the ball <laughs> down the field uh, in a way that Jimmy G just didn't and couldn't, and they're going to make the best use out of Brandon Ayuk. So I- I'm back in on Brandon Ayuk. What do you got, Funston? Yeah, I mean, look, it was, Justin Fields was the only quarterback with 400-plus rushing yards that didn't finish in the top 10 last year. So, mm-hmm. Well, actually, that's not true. Lamar Jackson didn't either, but well, he was out for a yeah. big chunk of games and, and stuff. But as Jake said, 16 touchdowns, like Jalen Hurts, we have big question marks about how him as a passer. Same with Trey Lance. But Trey Lance can be an equal or, or close to Jalen Hurts as a runner. And we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is not in the equation. They're going to go 17 games with Trey Lance if he stays healthy. It's just the accumulation of numbers will make it hard for him to not be in the top 10 or top 12. All right, here we go. Two more takes. They're both at the wide receiver position. I'm actually going to throw mine out there first. So hold up for a second, Funston. I am going to say Alec Pierce leads all Rookie wide receivers in fantasy points, and I'm just getting one sentence as to why. He's got the best combination of role and quarterback among the rookie wide receivers. Drake London, Marcus Mariota, Garrett Wilson, Zach Wilson, and a lot of other receivers there. Chris Olave, Jameis Winston, Jameson Williams, Jared Goff, he's entering the season injured. Jahan Dotson, I think maybe he can push uh, Pierce the most for this, but Carson Wentz, give me Matt Ryan all day. Give the Colts Matt Ryan all day. Traylon Burks, we know what the situation is there. Christian Watson, wide receiver three on his own team. Uh, George Pickens, wide receiver three on his own team. Sky Moore, wide receiver three, four. Like Alec Pierce, wide receiver two, playing on the Colts, playing with Matt Ryan right there. It all adds up. Give me Alec Pierce outscoring them all and having the most points 
among rookie wide receivers this season. Woo! Yeah, it's hot. Uh, you know, Drake London's the one. But look, I don't hate this because, you know, it's funny. Paris Campbell's like sending thanks to heaven every time he goes through a practice and is is not hurt. And then like I just saw that he tweaked his hammy slightly just the other day. So Paris Campbell is always, we know, a, an injury risk. Uh, you're right. So Alex Pierce has been running with the ones all camp. Um in a great situation with Matt Ryan in that offense. They're going to live in the red zone. Alex Pierce, I imagine, is going to be a pretty decent red zone threat this size, his ability uh, to get after the football. So I don't hate it. I think he's, you know, outside of maybe one or two other rookies, I wouldn't even really argue this at all. So I like it. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm an Alex Pierce guy. I, I think he is definitively the number two. Like, Paris Campbell's healthy. He's going to be a slot option. Uh, but it really comes down to you put this on a few different – like, if you would swap out Adam Thielen and put him on the Vikings, it's just the offense. The offense runs through Jonathan Taylor. The offense runs through partly – I mean, Naeem Hines is going to be used again. The tight end's not what they used to be, but I just don't know what the volume is going to be there, which is why mm-hmm. I hate it. I That's Honestly, if I could sure. say – if I could say I love it, and I, I I hope this happens because I do have a decent amount of Alec Pierce. As I think, if you said number two, that's not even that hot, like the number two. But you know, yeah. Drake London being the one, I think that after him, I still go Garrett Wilson just because I think the talent gap over everybody else in the Jets system, even Corey Davis included, he's going to be the number two. Maybe the numbers between he and Wilson are, but I mean, we're not even talking about Sky Moore, Traylon Burks. So it's almost kind of like if you're doing. You know, the leading rusher for 2022, like you take the field versus one person like you just don't. Mm-hmm. So that's why. And Jameson Williams, if Jameson Williams is ready for week one, which it doesn't sound like he will be. But if he right. was, I would take Jake Jameson Williams in a lockstep heartbeat. Um, but that's why I don't I love it for the reasoning. I hate it for mm-hmm. the likelihood. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. And like I said, that's why these are hot takes. You should disagree with most of other people's hot takes. That's what makes them so burning hot. Funston, one more for us, another wide receiver take. I like this one a bit, Funston. I am on board with this. This is a fun one. What do you got for us to round out the show? Yeah, Josh Palmer, top 40 wide receiver. He's ADP right around 70 right now, or at least ECR, and Jake's got him ranked right around there. If if Josh Palmer was a number two receiver in this offense, he would be, you know, gangbusters. And we don't advocate taking a handcuff at the wide receiver position very often. Mm-hmm. But Josh Palmer has moved into a clear number three spot that's been reported. He looked good. I loved him coming out of Tennessee. He finished, you know, the final few weeks of the season last year looking really good. And, man, if Keenan Allen or Mike Williams uh, were to get injured, Josh Palmer would be in a smash pot position. And Smash what? We look. Smash pot? Isn't that a word? Uh, I think you go for smash spot. Smash spot. Smash spot? Whatever. Um, Wait, 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 wait. wait. Did you say, am I just hearing, like, is this just like a, you know, we're over Zoom right now? Did you say smash spot and I just muddled the words together? Or do you think it's smash pot? Smash spot? Smash spot, yes. Yeah, yeah. They both start with S's. (laughs) Is that what you said? But is that what you said originally, or did you originally say smash? I don't even know what I said to be honest. I I think he was combining smash spot and honey pot, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, my honey spot, smash pot, and you wonder why we like Jake and I like point to you as the old man of the podcast. Yeah, there you go. 
kind of swear for this smash pot. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> are we still live, or do I need to repeat myself? No, no, no. You, no, no, no. Are you kidding okay. me? I'm not taking this We're, out. This is gold. Okay, this is good stuff. All yeah. right. Either way, uh, I think you guys understand my point. And and let me ask you this: uh, Who is the number one? Like, if you were to say who's going to score the most straight passing points uh-huh. at the quarterback position? Probably going to be Justin Herbert, right? Like he's going to be probably sure. the odds-on favorite for just, just yards plus yards passing touchdowns. Yard, passing yards, passing yeah. touchdowns. Mm. Yeah. So if Josh, yeah, that's close. He'd I mean, probably be right the favorite. He, Mahomes Tom would be Brady in there. Bur- retired. Yeah, Brady, uh, Burrow would be in there. Brady I think. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, look at Palmer. Like last year, Jalen Guyton and, and Palmer combined for like over seven hundred yards and seven touchdowns. Like Tim Patrick was wide receiver forty last year, fifty-three catches, seven hundred yards, five touchdowns. So. Uh, Palmer gets a little bit lucky even in the touchdown department and maybe doesn't end up as the wide receiver two without the injuries there. I still think there's a, a, a not zero chance that he could do it being the number three in this offense. But Keenan Allen's missed three games in the last five years. Remember, he's to me, he feels like he's on borrowed time now in his 30s. Mike Williams puts his body in harm's way as much as any receiver in the league. He hasn't missed a lot of games, but he's been banged up a lot. So either of these guys misses four or five games. Uh, Josh Palmer's in a smash spot position. How do you like that? <laughs> yes. uh, Jake, we got to wrap this thing up. I'll give you the final word, though, here on uh, Josh Palmer. Uh, I'm I just not thinking that's too hot because I'm not going to rely on injury. Sorry, uh, sorry, like coming for you, Fonson, but that's just like the injury is like, okay, well, you know, let's go down the list and say, well, J- Jashawn Corbin being the number two behind Saquon Barkley is going to be a top twenty-five running back when Barkley gets hurt in week three. Like that just—that's all it is. Like I just, yeah, there's a huge upside, and I love Josh Palmer. But the reason he's at seventy for me is because he's in a range of Justin Tolbert, and like injuries, like like all these type of wide receivers who need the number two to go down, and then of course, sky's the limit. So I agree with you. I just—I don't really think it's hot. I'm going to jump in, and Funston wasn't saying that it had to be injury. Funston's saying top 40 can happen, and if injury does happen, then the sky's the limit. Right, Funston? Uh, I don't think right. I, I, ref- I referenced Tim Patrick at 53, 705 at, at wide receiver 40. I don't think that's completely out of the equation as the wide receiver three in this offense, even if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams don't really go down for any, you know, well, see, that, and that's where I'll go back to that's also fancy points per game because Tim Patrick doesn't even check inside the top 50 for fancy points per game. All right. Well, I'm just saying that injuries are part like you always bet under on season long player totals because right. injuries happen. Oh, that's why I said like, I don't disagree with your stance. I just disagree with yeah. the hotness of it. The well, hotness, what, I, what hotness, I'll say is he's hotness. the number one wide receiver handcuff in the league. Okay, Maybe well, the then, number one wide receiver then, three. Then, yeah, OK. Then I can see that. Can a little bit. that? <laughs> OK. Uh, George Pickens. Maybe he's uh, but he's going to no, finish. He's, he's the two. He's going to finish behind Alec Pierce, as we all know. Anyways, right? I mean, we just we just went over that. He's going to finish behind Alec Pierce with all the other rookie wide receivers. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here on this episode. We've got one more coming to you this week, so be ready for that. For Jake and Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Have a great couple of days. We'll talk to you soon.